0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We are glad that you're here, Uh, whether you're here in the room or whether you're joining us online, uh, welcome. We like to be in our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, We believe that's true, that God meets us here, that uh, when we gather together to worship him, uh, that he meets us right where we are. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've been through, Uh, God meets us right here, right in the life that we live. Uh, so let's bow our heads and pray to Him as we begin. Thank you, God. Thank you for meeting us here today, right in the middle of our mess, right in the middle of our excitement, right in the middle of our joys, our sorrows, whatever it is that we bring into this time, into this place. Uh, God, you meet us right here. Thank you that you don't make us go uh, chase you up a mountain or or try to go look for you somewhere. Uh, God, you have come to us and you didn't wait for us to get our act together, God. You came to us when we were dirty, filthy messes, uh, doing our best to ignore you, or to fight against you, or just trying to do life our own way. God, you came to us in your son, Jesus Christ, to show us your love, to rescue us from the messes that we've made. You came close, God. You came right into the middle of our human experience. And so today, I pray that you would help us to, to sense you here, to be aware of your presence, Uh, to meet you in the midst of all that we do during this next hour. Thank you, God. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Today is going to be different. Uh, not just because there's a baptism tank sitting up here. That's uh, I mentioned last week we've got uh, somebody wanting to get baptized and somebody else is going to renew her baptism. And that's going to happen in between the services, all right? So like five or ten minutes after the service, we're going to have a little baptism uh, uh, celebration because uh, we wanted the folks to come at 1030 to be able to come and to celebrate with them and all, all of that. Today is going to be a little different because... Um, there's there's nobody up there uh, today we do not have a bunch of musicians now we we do have Dave Dave's gonna play his guitar a little bit later uh, but Dave has, has for years now said yeah but I, I can't lead yeah I can noodle around on the guitar I can I can play a little stuff so he's gonna do that for us a couple times in the service uh, but <clears throat> we you guys might know if you've been here before and if if you've not been here before I'm sorry my name's Rich Schmidt I'm the pastor here and uh, it's good to have you with us uh, We've we been blessed here with musicians. We've got like three different families who all do a wonderful job of leading musically and they do a, they do a fantastic job and all of them are either out, unavailable, sick. Uh, we had the people that were scheduled. No one was available but one and last night got a, got a text from, from Joe uh, saying he came down with something nasty and he said, hopefully I'll feel better in the morning and this morning he texted me and said, uh, I'm not, not any better. I'm not going to be getting to work and he's real apologetic. So we get to do something we've not done in a long, long time. Uh, years ago, we got to do a couple of these no music Sundays, and so I apologize. If music is like your favorite thing and the reason you're here, I will not be hurt if you get up and walk out and go to the church down the street, all right, because we don't have that this morning, uh, <clears throat> but, we, but music is not the only way that we worship God, all right? Uh, that's one of the things that this gets to remind us of, is that music is just one way that we express our thanks, our praise to God. It's just one way that we cry out to him in a time of need. Um, and the Bible is filled. So we're going to do something a little different during this first part of the service when we would normally sing two or three songs, all right? We're going to spend some time reflecting on one of the psalms that's in our Bible. We've got 150 of them. And probably the best known is Psalm 23. Uh, we've got a little creative rendition that another church put together that we're going to watch, and then we're going to read it together. And then, well, let's we'll see. So just reflect on Psalm 23 here as we, as we watch and listen. Psalm 23. I guessing you've heard that one before, right? It's, uh, it's not real long. It's just a handful of verses, and it reminds us of God's goodness to us. We're going we're gonna to read it together uh, off the screens, if we could. Uh, will you read this with me? Uh, it's a little bit different translation, sorry, than the one that we just heard. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right, so we're going to take just a couple minutes, and I know for some of you this is, like, uh, incredibly intimidating because you're going to have to talk to another human being in the room, all right? And And I'm just, I'm not joking, I know for some of you it's like, you, you're not here to talk to other people. That, that, that makes your skin crawl and all of that. If that's true, it's okay, keep your distance, no one's gonna chase you down to force you to talk to them. All right. If you're willing, I would love for you to find someone else to talk to, and maybe so there's like three or four of you, and not just like one or two of you. So if there's just two of you, if you could find another person to go grab and, and be a part of your little crew. Um, let's try this. Uh, look around, look around real quick, look around the room, don't just look at me, look around. All right. Find somebody else that you're going to talk to. All right. I see some of you sitting by yourselves, and you're looking, okay. Like, you guys can talk to John over here, and, and um, maybe you guys, can, you guys can huddle up over here or something. Find somebody else to talk to, because here's what we're going to do. Uh, you're going to, we're just going to get in, like, three minutes, all right? And I just need you to introduce yourself, your in first name, and, uh, and what is something. You know, this psalm is filled with, you know, it very starts out saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I shall not want you know i've got everything i need and it goes on to talk about some of the things god provides for us uh, you know through the psalm comfort in the midst of distress and and, uh, um, all the different things that he does times are refreshing share your name and what's one good thing that you say you know what god has been a good shepherd for me lately here's one thing that he's done for me Uh, one positive thing and it doesn't have to be a story it can just be a word it can be a sentence two sentences but you only got like three minutes and you got to get through all however many of you are okay so go ahead, take a couple minutes, your name, and what's something good that God has done recently for you. All right, let's, let's do that. Anybody need more time? Anybody need more time or did you get all the way around your, a little more time? Okay, you got like 30 more seconds to share something good God's done for you. All right. So one other thing that Psalm 23 uh, does that, uh, it doesn't do it as much as some of the other Psalms. Uh, Many of the psalms, if you've read through the psalms at all, you know that there are several of them that are like complaint psalms or lament psalms or they're crying out to God. Uh, In fact, the psalm right before this, Psalm 22, is the one that starts out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the one that Jesus quotes from the cross as he's dying. Uh, And so if you're in that kind of a place, the psalms are a beautiful resource for you. Psalm 23 does acknowledge that we sometimes go through these dark, dark valleys, uh, valley of the shadow of death. I mean, times that are difficult. It acknowledges that we have enemies. You know, I mentioned at the end, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Uh, that we have things in our lives that are not positive, and we all know, know what that's like. Take just a moment, again, at your, at your table, and if there is something that you're going through right now that you would love to, to know that God is present with you, you know, you're in a dark valley, and you need to know God's presence, or you've got an enemy, and you need to know how to love them or how to resolve it. Uh, if there is something like that, could you just mention it? If there's a need, could you just mention it to the people at your table? And, uh, and if someone's willing, uh, take 10 seconds and just pray for that need. Is that all right? All right. Go ahead. You got about another three minutes. All right. I don't see anybody deep in the midst of prayer, so I think it's probably okay to, to, to call us back together. Um, is there anybody that just wants to shout out to the rest of the group, like, one of those good things that you're thankful to God for that, uh, that's come up lately or that, that you mentioned around your table, perhaps? Anything good that you just want to celebrate and say, wow, thank God for this? Don't get you started. I'm trying to get you started. Oh, yeah. 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 His daughter's been thriving as a new mom and happy. Is that what you said? Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks, Jason. Anybody else? Something you're celebrating, something good. God gave you, housing. God gave you housing. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, definitely. Ditto. Ditto? <laughs> yeah, new apartment. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you next door, Lynn. That's great. Anybody else? Something good? Good health. Good health. Yeah something to be thankful for I know I I got to spend uh, all day yesterday uh, in Chicago with Stacy and a whole bunch of folks from Team World Vision uh, learning more about the work that World Vision does around the world with clean water and you guys know we do the global 6k for water every May and ran the marathon last year with them and and so it was just fun to get to hear about what's going on and and to learn more and and how we can continue to be involved so that's that's something that's a blessing that God that God gave us so it's a good thing Anybody else? I'm not going to ask you to share the downside stuff. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask you to share with the whole room full of strangers like, oh, here's a real dark valley I'm in the middle of. Um, <clears throat> hopefully you were willing to share something at your table. Um, but I do want to, to pause and pray for all of us, and uh, including for some of that stuff that maybe you mentioned that you know about and that God knows about that he is with you in the midst of, uh, whether you mentioned it today or not. Um, let's, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for all of your good gifts uh, and your love, your faithfulness uh, that follow us all the days of our lives, your mercy, your goodness. God, we are grateful for your presence with us uh, as a shepherd who leads us. God, you know that some of us in this room are, um, well, we're thankful that right now you've been leading us into those, those green pastures beside the still waters. You've been refreshing, restoring our souls. Uh, some of us today, God, that is the the cry of our hearts that you would do that. We need you to lead us into some some time of, of catching our breath, uh, some time of, of getting our feet back on on uh, like steady ground, because it feels like everything's been shifting and, and we need to know some some uh, <clears throat> something steady, something concrete, something we can rest on and rest in. Today, God, I pray that you would help all of us to be able to rest in your presence rest in your grace, rest in your love for us. Thank you, God, for leading us down the right paths, paths of of righteousness or paths of justice. God, thank you uh, for leading us through this life. You don't leave us to just try to figure this all out on our own, but, uh, but instead you walk with us every step of the way. You do give us guidance, one of the things I was praying for today. Uh, you do give us guidance and wisdom and you help us to to lead lives that uh, that reflect your grace and your love your justice your goodness your righteousness here in the world thank you god for letting us be a part of your work God, we thank you that when we walk through those dark valleys and you know that some of us in this room are in the middle of them right now uh, thank you god that you are with us you don't leave us. You don't abandon us. You walk with us. You help us to, not to stop in the midst of that dark valley and give up, but you help us, God, to keep putting one foot in front of another. You continue to guide us and comfort us with your, your rod and your staff. just like a shepherd might nudge those sheep along. And, and God, we know that you are able to protect us, and so we're not afraid, as the psalm said even though we might go through times of great difficulty, even though we might go through times that that truly make us afraid. God, would you remind us of your presence so that we won't be overwhelmed by fear, so that we can be comforted. Thank you, God, for walking with us and guiding us through those dark valleys, for providing everything that we need. Even in the presence of our enemies, God, uh, even though they might still be there, you might not wipe them out or remove them from our lives, but you prepare a table for us. You, you provide for us. You bless us in ways that others can see, in ways that are, are visible and in ways that are invisible, God, as you uh, inwardly help us to have peace in the midst of very trying circumstances. How do you anoint us with the oil of your presence? you overflow our cups of blessing. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your love that follows us every day of our lives. And we do pray, God, that we will get to dwell in your house, to rest in your presence. Today, this week, whatever we face, whatever goes on around us, God, I pray that you would help us to live as like almost this calm in the midst of of whatever storm might be raging around us, Uh, like that that unmoved rock in the middle of the river (laughs) and all kinds of stuff going on around us, but God, you have fixed us firmly in place and we get to rest in your love. Thank you, God. Thank you for this day, for this moment, as your spirit reaches out to us and reminds us that you love us, reminds us that you're with us. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, uh, do we have the little piece? Is that what's, what's in there next? Oh, good. The peace of the Lord be with you. Thanks. Uh, let's go ahead and take a moment to stand, and, uh, and we're going to exchange that peace of Christ with each other. Go shake somebody's hand, wish them a peace of Christ, or say, hey, happy Sunday, or hey, good to see you. Or maybe you need to introduce yourself to someone, and then you can find your way back to your seat. Well, you guys seem to handle that well. A little different start to our service today. Um, I hope everybody got a chance to grab one of these little uh, handouts, bulletins, whatever you want to call them. just by way of announcements, just want to say we'd love to connect with you, especially those of you who are joining us online. Uh, if you could go to livinghope.info slash connect and fill out that little digital connect card, uh, we would love to know how we can pray for you or thank God with you because we didn't get to just hang out with you just now and, and uh, reflect and to pray. So uh, we would love to know how we can pray for you or what, we're, what you're thanking God for. So yeah, livinghope.info slash connect and let us know. Uh, You can also give online, or for all of us in the room, uh, if you want to jot us a note or share a prayer request with me that you want me to be praying for this week, uh, there are little green Connect cards back there, and you can just uh, jot a note, leave me your contact info so I can follow up with you, and you can drop it in that little box, that's the offering box. If you're giving today, you can drop that in there as well, and uh, and again, we are very grateful for all of you who uh, continue to give so faithfully to the work that God's doing here and around the world. Uh, we do have a couple things coming up. Uh, oh, I guess I should mention the warming center is still going on uh, We're gonna keep doing this what we've said is until the overnight temperatures quit trending below freezing Which initially I kind of thought oh, you know, maybe end of February and then I thought oh, maybe into the first week of March Now I'm looking at the forecast and thinking eh, it might be mid-March We'll, we'll see <laughs> we'll see what Northwest Indiana weather does for us But if you'd like to help we would still love love your help So if you'd like to come and and uh, be here for part of the overnight shift, uh, that would be great and then uh, What what do we have in there next? Is it the, uh, I can't remember which one was, oh yeah, the bra drive. Okay, all month we are doing this bra drive for Free the Girls. If you have used bras or your spouse has used bras or anybody you know has bras that they would like to donate, uh, this goes to a nonprofit called Free the Girls, sends them overseas to women who have uh, escaped from sex trafficking, and uh, they are able to sell those bras on the used clothing market for, for income and establish themselves and there are some fantastic stories about women and the the difference that's been made in their lives as they've been able to to get established as independent business women selling bras and and doing other things that kind of opens the door then for for other opportunities so uh but what we can do besides praying for them is uh is we can donate bras so if you have bras to donate there's a little collection thing out front uh that you can drop them in and uh all month all month february that'll be out there We'll take them year-round. We've got that little collection thing in the in the lobby all year-round. But February, we, we uh, mention it and invite you to mention it to your friends or to share it online or however you want to do that. And, uh, and then uh, Sunday the 26th, a couple of weeks from now, in between the services, we're going to have our uh, annual meeting. Uh, if you've gone through Living Hope 101 and you're a member, then your vote... Will officially count uh, for who serves on the church board and gonna represent us at district assembly and that kind of thing but anyone's welcome to stick around in between the services that week and uh, get an update on the church budget and how it's going and things that are happening and uh, so it's it's quick it's not a big long drawn-out thing but if you'd like some basic updates on what's going on with the church stuff that we don't always mention uh, during the service that's a chance so it, that's when it's coming up all right we are uh <clears throat> for the month of february diving into the book of exodus and i love the folks at the bible project they do great work and uh so we've got about six minutes i think taking us through the first half of the book last week we got into it a little bit with moses and so there's going to be a little bit of repeat and it's going to talk about where we're going next so this is bible project you can find it on youtube and they make it available to share uh, any way you want to share it so that's, i think we've got that in there right all right The book of
1: Exodus. It's the second book of the Bible, and it picks up the storyline from the previous book, Genesis, which ended with Abraham's grandson, Jacob, leading his large family of 70 people down to Egypt. Now, Jacob's 11th son, Joseph, had been elevated to second-in-command over Egypt, and he had saved his whole family in a famine. And so Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, offered the family to come live there as a safe haven. And so eventually Jacob dies there in Egypt, and Joseph and all his brothers do too. About 400 years pass, and the story of the Exodus begins. Now that name refers to the event that takes place in the first half of the book, Israel's Exodus from Egypt. But the book has a second half that takes place at the foot of Mount Sinai. In this video, we'll just focus on the first half, where centuries have passed, and the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied, and they filled the land. Now, this line is a deliberate echo back to the blessing that God gave all humanity back in the Garden of Eden. And it reminds us of the big biblical story so far. Humanity forfeited God's blessing through sin and rebellion. And so God chose Abraham's family as the vehicle through which he would restore his blessing to all the world. But the new Pharaoh does not view Israel as a blessing. He actually thinks this growing Israelite immigrant group is a threat to his power. And so just as in Genesis, humanity rebels against God's blessing, so here Pharaoh attempts to destroy the source of God's blessing, the Israelites. He brutally enslaves them in forced labor, and then he orders that all the Israelite boys be drowned in the Nile River. Now Pharaoh, he is the worst character in the Bible so far. His kingdom epitomizes humanity's rebellion against God. Pharaoh has so redefined good and evil according to his own interests that even the murder of innocent children has become good to him. And so Egypt has become worse than Babylon from the book of Genesis. And so now Israel cries out for help against this new Babylon and God responds. God first turns Pharaoh's evil upside down as an Israelite mother throws her boy into the Nile River but in a basket. And so he floats safely right down into Pharaoh's own family. He's named Moses, and he grows up to eventually become the man that God will use to defeat Pharaoh's evil. In the famous story of the burning bush, God appears to Moses and commissions him to go to Pharaoh and order him to release the Israelites. And God says that he knows Pharaoh will resist, and so he will bring his judgment on Egypt in the form of plagues. Then God also says that he will harden Pharaoh's heart. And so we're introduced into the next main part of the story, the confrontation between God and Pharaoh. Now, what does this mean that God says he'll harden Pharaoh's heart? It's super important to read this section of the story really closely and in sequence. In Moses and Pharaoh's first encounter, we're told simply that Pharaoh's heart grew hard. There's no implication that God did anything. And so in response, God sends the first set of five plagues, each one confronting Pharaoh and one of his Egyptian gods. And each time, Moses offers a chance for Pharaoh to humble himself and to let the Israelites go. But after each plague, we're told that Pharaoh either hardened his heart or that his heart grew hard. He's doing this of his own will. And so eventually, it's with the second set of five plagues that we begin to hear how God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So the point of the story seems to be this. Even though God knew that Pharaoh would resist his will, God still offered him all of these chances to do the right thing. But eventually, Pharaoh's evil reaches a point of no return. I mean, even his own advisors think that he has lost his mind. And it's at that point that God takes over and bends Pharaoh's evil towards his own redemptive purposes. God lures Pharaoh into his own destruction as he saves his people, which is what happens next. With the final plague, it's the night of Passover, and God turns the tables on Pharaoh. Just as he killed the sons of the Israelites, so God will kill the firstborn in Egypt with a final plague. But unlike Pharaoh, God provides a means of escape through the blood of the Lamb. And here the story stops and introduces us in detail to the annual Israelite ritual of Passover. On the night before Israel left Egypt, they sacrificed a young spotless lamb and painted its blood on the doorframe of their house. And when the divine plague came over Egypt, the houses covered with the blood of the lamb were passed over and the sons spared. And so every year since, the Israelites have reenacted that night to remember and to celebrate God's justice And his mercy. But Pharaoh, because of his pride and rebellion, he loses his own son. And he's compelled to finally let the Israelites go free. And so the Israelite slaves make their exodus from Egypt. But no sooner do they leave that Pharaoh changes his mind. And he gathers his army and chases after the Israelites for a final showdown. As the Israelites pass through the waters of the sea safely, Pharaoh charges towards his own destruction. The Exodus story concludes with the first song of praise in the Bible. It's called the Song of the Sea. And the final line declares that the Lord reigns as king. And then the song retells in poetry what the story of God's kingdom is all about. It's about how God is on a mission to confront evil in his world and to redeem those who are enslaved to evil. God is going to bring his people into the promised land where his divine presence will live among them. This story is what it looks like when God becomes king over his people. So after the Israelites sing their song, the story takes a sharp turn. The Israelites are trekking through the wilderness on their way to Mount Sinai, and they're hungry, they're thirsty, and they start criticizing Moses and God for even rescuing them. They say they long for the good old days in Egypt. I mean, it's crazy. So God graciously provides food and water for Israel in the wilderness, but these stories, they cast a dark shadow. And we begin to wonder, could it be that Israel's heart is just as hard as Pharaoh's? We shall see. But for now, that's
0: the first half of the book of Exodus. Yeah, I love the way they... uh... They do these overviews because, you know, if you if you're want to get a sense of what you're reading, it's good to have a sense of the whole, you know, a sense of where the story is going. And uh, today we're going to zoom in a little bit uh, on one part of that. Um, but first, just the, in your notes, the first scripture there is uh, from last week. You know, we focused in on how uh, God had uh, come down to rescue and sent Moses. And, and in Exodus 3 at the burning bush, the Lord tells Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. And uh, we talked last week, if you missed it, you can watch it online, uh, about how God is aware of our difficulties. And when we go through the dark valleys, He is with us. And He, and he, uh, he comes down to rescue. He intervenes in our situations And often he does that through people, just like he does here with Moses. God, most of the time, doesn't just reach down and do something uh, miraculous all on his own. Usually, he taps one of his other kids on the shoulder and says, hey, I need you to go and encourage that person. Hey, I need you to go and and be generous toward that person. Hey, I need you to go and and, and volunteer at the (laughs) the warming center, or whatever it might be, right? Um, God taps us on the shoulder, and he moves through us to make things happen. That's how God answers prayers, how he does it. Even this massive miracle of rescuing his people from slavery he, he needs Moses to go. He calls Moses to go and to be a part of it, just like he calls us to go and, uh, and to be a part of his work today. And he reassures Moses that he will be with him over and over again, in spite of all Moses' objections. Now, we didn't get to that end of chapter 4 last week, where uh, Moses goes and talks to the people of Israel, and it says, when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped like, oh, thank God. <laughs> he has heard and he is moving. He is doing something. Thank you, God. Uh, you've probably been in that place. I know I have. Where it's like, finally, there's a sign that, uh, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Finally, we're coming, maybe coming out of this dark valley. Maybe God is, is showing up to do something. Thank you, God. That's where they are. And then, uh, and then God sends Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh. And here in Exodus 7, we read a little bit of that as God talks to Moses. uh, He tells him, pay close attention to this. I will make you seem like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. Tell Aaron everything I command you, and Aaron must command Pharaoh to let the people of Israel leave his country. But I will make Pharaoh's heart stubborn, or hard, as we just heard about there. I'll make his heart stubborn so I can multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Even then, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you, so I will bring down my fist on Egypt. Then I will rescue my forces, my people, the Israelites, from the land of Egypt with great acts of judgment. When I raise my powerful hand and bring out the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. I'm grateful, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to play that little Bible Project video, that they point out that God is, uh, is working through Pharaoh's evil choices to to make sure that this hat plays out the way it needs to. It's kind of like uh, the story of Joseph in Genesis that we looked at a couple weeks ago, how you know, his brothers made the evil choice to sell him into slavery, but God worked through that to get Joseph right where he needed him to be to save their lives and the lives of many. You know, God often uh, is able to work through even our evil choices. And so God works through the, the evil that Pharaoh has done for hundreds of years now to his people, um, God works through his continued stubbornness. Uh, to bring his judgment. He's finally run out of chances. And, and, but God does give him time after time. And there are ten different plagues that happen in the next few chapters. Uh, the water in the Nile gets turned into blood. And then all these frogs come out of the Nile. And then there are gnats everywhere and flies on everything. And then the livestock are all diseased. And then everyone's covered in boils. And then there's hailstorms like they've never seen. Locusts that devour everything. And finally darkness where it's just like the sun doesn't shine. These first nine plagues all happen. And, and every time Pharaoh is given a chance. You know, please, let the people go. And uh, and Pharaoh refuses, and God does something else until finally the last one, the death of the firstborn. Um, And in Exodus 11, the Lord said to Moses, I will strike Pharaoh and the land of Egypt with one more blow. After that, Pharaoh will let you leave his country. In fact, he'll be so eager to get rid of you that he will force you all to leave. There's this, there's this one little verse that I, I think I mentioned back in Genesis as God is talking to Abraham about this experience that the people have had uh, where God tells Abraham, you're going to have all these descendants, you know, as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, uh, but he tells them they will be slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And then he says this little line, because the, and then I'll bring them back and give them this land where you're living because the sins of the Amorites have not yet reached their fullness or something like that. Like the people who live here, I'm going to give them a few hundred years to get their act together and to get straightened out. And if they don't, then I'm going to be booting them out and giving this land to you. And God has been patient with the Egyptians. He's been patient uh, with the Amorites. He's been patient with his people, as we'll see played out over these next few books of the Bible that we go through in these next few months. But eventually, God does bring judgment. He brings an end to the violence um, and forces Pharaoh Pharaoh uh, forces Pharaoh's hand. So uh, in Exodus 12, we read about this, uh, this Passover celebration that was mentioned in the video. Uh, it says Moses called the elders of Israel together and said to them, Go, pick out a lamb or young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin, take a bundle of hyssop branches, dip it in the blood, brush the hyssop across the top and sides of the door frames of your houses, and no one may go out through the door until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. So the people of Israel did, just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. And that night, at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon. Even the firstborn of their livestock were killed. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night, and loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. Now, I don't know about you, but this is disturbing, okay? I hope for all of us, it's like, yeah, that's, ooh, man, God really did that? And again, we have to Read it in the context of, like, the evil that this nation had been doing and the the death they had been bringing to the the people of Israel. And God is bringing judgment. Uh, I don't don't know about you, but when that video was was playing and it was talking about how God gave Pharaoh chance after chance but finally had to bring it in, finally had to to bring justice, um, there's this part of me that thinks, oh, God, don't let my heart get hard. (laughs) Please, God, don't let me miss chance after chance after chance. Please, let me, let me say yes to you when you give me the opportunity. Um, there's one of the prophets later in the, the Hebrew Scriptures uh, that looks forward to a time where it says, God will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Um, or in Psalm 51, where the David is writing after he had committed this heinous uh, sin and killed one of his soldiers and taken his wife. And it's a, it's a horrible story of abuse by someone in power. And as he's confessing this, he, he prays, God, please grant me... Uh, uh, sustain in me a, a, give me a pure heart. Please clean my heart. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He's, he's asking God to change his heart. And uh, and we, I believe that that's, that's who God is. That when we cry out to God for help, he helps us. He's able to change our hearts. And so I, I look at the Pharaoh part of this story as like a cautionary tale. Like, God, please help me not to be involved in oppressing other people. Help me not to be one of those who, who pushes others down and who, who refuses to listen to you when you try time and time again uh, to get my attention. Maybe you can't relate to that part. Maybe you can only relate to the, to the, the people of Israel who've been so beat down and, and you're, you're hoping and praying that God will someday bring an end to the violence that's been done to you. You're hoping and praying that one day perhaps oppression will cease, and one day perhaps those who have wronged you will will get what's coming to them. And and God tells us repeatedly in scriptures, like, don't take that on yourselves. You know, vengeance is mine. You know, and we're we're instructed in the New Testament uh, not to be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. That we leave that to God. We leave judgment and justice to God, and we work on ways that we can try to love our enemies and do good to them. That's what Jesus taught us and, and here in this moment the people of Israel have, uh, have had the chance to escape this terror to escape this destruction and so that, that part ended there Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night get out he ordered leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you go and worship the Lord as you've requested because from the start that's what Moses and Aaron had been asking for let us go out into the wilderness and worship Yahweh worship our God And uh, and Pharaoh has repeatedly said, no, no, I'm not going to let you do that. And now he's saying, just get out there, go. Worship the Lord as you've requested. This next little passage here, uh, while the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. As he's giving them the instructions for this Passover meal, for the celebration. He's saying, this is something, well, he said, these are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, carry your walking stick in your hand, eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night, I'll pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son, firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. That's an interesting little thing to, to look at sometime if you want. Like I've seen people who've tried to make all 10 plagues line up with one of the Egyptian gods or other. Uh, I don't find it all convincing, but, um, but Pharaoh himself was seen as a divine figure. In Egypt and uh, and so God is saying look it's I'm executing judgment against all the gods of Egypt I am the Lord but the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you're staying when I see the blood I will pass over you this plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt this is a day to remember each year from generation to generation you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord God gives them this Passover meal not just as a thing to do once but he's telling them, look you're gonna reorient your whole calendar around this event around this moment where I set you free from slavery uh, you're gonna you're gonna remember this every year you're gonna sit down with your kids and if, if any of you have any Jewish friend or Jewish background yourselves you know every year the Passover Seder it's a it's a sacred meal and maybe you've been invited to one we were fortunate we had a friend invite us to uh, to join them for one uh, several years ago and uh, and they there's lots of tradition there's lots of uh stuff ritual that goes along with the things that you read as you recount the story of god delivering his people and uh and it's something that they they want to make sure they do not forget that they are a people rescued by god that they didn't establish themselves that it's god who has given them life given them identity given them who they are given them freedom and so every year uh from that moment on they're instructed to celebrate this generation to generation um uh, now, we, we are given uh, a couple of sacraments that we get a chance to, to celebrate. We're going to celebrate baptism in, uh, oh, about 20 minutes from now, uh, about 10 minutes after the service gets out. We're going to celebrate a baptism uh, and a renewal of a baptism uh, here. Uh, that's this sacrament given to us where we are reminded that we are united with Christ in dying to an old life and that we rise with him to a, to a new life, that our sins are, are washed away um, And just like the people of israel are rescued through the waters out of slavery uh, in egypt uh, so too through the waters of baptism uh, we are set free from our sins and and brought into new life and every week we have the sacrament of holy communion where we take bread and juice and we remember what jesus did for us Uh, that's what i included there in your notes from luke chapter 22 is one of the tellings uh, of this says when the time came jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And Jesus takes the Passover meal, this, this memorial meal that, re, that reminds them of God's deliverance in the past, deliverance from slavery in Egypt, and he makes it about himself. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces, gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and there's all kinds of interesting stuff with the Passover Seder and you can look that up later, Google it if you want, uh, about which cup it was that Jesus used and what the meaning is. He took a cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. The Apostle Paul, one of the early Christian leaders who wrote letters to, to Christians to encourage them and to teach them, wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. That Jesus played that role for us, of that Passover lamb for the people of Israel. Just as they were to take a, a spotless lamb and, and sacrifice it, kill it, and have its blood applied to the door, uh, so too Jesus gives his life, spills his blood for you and for me so that we won't have to suffer the death that we have brought upon ourselves by our sins. So that instead, we can be set free. Instead, we can experience life. It's one of the many ways that Christians have tried to make sense of of the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. One of the the main images given in Scripture is that Jesus is the the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, as, as John the Baptist said when he saw him. And so... That's one reason that we celebrate communion each and every week uh, is as a reminder to us of what Christ has done for us. Just like the people of Israel celebrated the Passover to remember God's great deliverance of them from slavery in Egypt, we celebrate communion, and I know different churches do it differently, right? Some churches celebrate like once a month or every other week or a few times a year. Some churches don't celebrate it at all. Um, they remember Christ's death in other ways. Um, we, uh, several years ago, oh man, uh, well over a decade, I'm trying to remember now, um 15 years ago i think almost decided you know what we want to do this each and every week every time we gather we want to take bread take juice and remember that we didn't get here because we were especially good you know we don't we don't enjoy this life with god because we've got our act together Uh, because we're and certainly not because we're better than anybody else we might point our finger at or look down our nose at or anything like that at all that all of us were enslaved to sin and God had to do some pretty amazing things to set us free. He had to come to us in His Son Jesus Christ, enter into our brokenness, enter into our sin, enter into our death, and take all that on Himself, giving His life for us so that we can be set free, so that we can become the people of God, saved through the waters like the people of Israel were brought to him, uh, like we'll hear about these next couple of weeks as they meet together at Sinai and and, in the tabernacle in the desert. We're brought into these moments of encounter with God and are reminded that God loves us, that he is with us, that our sins don't need to separate us from God any longer. that He's not counting our sins against us, but instead is offering grace and freedom, forgiveness and new life. So, we're going we're gonna to pray and then we're going to celebrate communion together this morning. And then we're going to go, hopefully, remembering the rescue that God has, has worked in our lives for us to set us free. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful to you. I mean, there's no other response but gratitude for a God who would hear our cries for help and come down to rescue. Thank you, God. That in your Son Jesus Christ we, we see your love displayed. And God, we thank you for those men and women who were willing to answer the call, who came before us, who told us about this love that you have for us. Uh, we thank you for parents, for pastors, for grandparents, for uh, for neighbors, for friends, for people who were who were willing to to have a conversation with us and introduce us to the Jesus that they had come to know and love. Uh, people who told us or taught us that that there's a God who made us and who loves us and who is with us. God, thank you that we uh, get to, because of them, we have heard this good news. Because of them, we know that that the blood of Jesus sets us free. Because of those folks being willing to say yes to you, we, we are here today saying yes to you now. Saying thank you, God, for your great love. Help us, God, uh, not to allow our hearts to grow hard. And God, if there are some of us that we, some of us today, God, we might just need to acknowledge we've been saying no to you over and over and over again. We have been choosing our own way instead of choosing to follow you. God, would you help us to trust you? Oh, would you forgive us? Would you remove our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh, hearts that respond to you, hearts that say yes to you? God, we don't want to miss our chance if we don't know how many you'll give us. So please, God, today, would you help us to say yes to you? Today, would you help us to accept this amazing gift of love and grace that you've given us in Jesus Christ? God, we thank you for this sacrament of communion. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, remembering what Christ has done for us, as we've just read about. God, we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our risen Savior in his body and in his blood, receiving from you the grace that he has poured out by his sacrifice. God, we offer you ourselves. Today, we are saying yes to you. We are acknowledging that we have not always loved you with our, our whole heart, soul, mind, strength. We have not always loved our neighbors as ourselves. And some of us, God, today, you know, we are just desperately praying that you would help us not to have hard hearts, that you would help us to, to say yes. So that's, that's what we do today, God. We say yes to you. We say yes to your grace We say yes to your love, to the forgiveness that you offer. We pray that by your Spirit's presence here among us, that we might be changed from the inside out, that we might live in this world as your sons and daughters, as the body of Christ, loved by you, embraced by you, sent by you to carry your grace and love into this world. Thank you, God, for the fresh start that you give us as you wash away our sins, as you fill us with the Spirit of Christ as you offer us new life. You are so good to us, God, and we are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Um, Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever amen amen Um, we're going to celebrate communion now Dave's going to come and and play a little background music for us although we don't have uh, a song for us to sing together um, maybe you're going to reflect a little bit on God rescuing you from uh, slavery to sin, or maybe you're going to go back to Psalm 23 and just be thanking God for being that good shepherd who's with you. Uh, but I'm going to be down, down front here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice, and uh, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it. We've got the regular pita bread and some little gluten-free ones, and the little cups. And if, uh, if you don't want to get that close to people, you've got the cups on most of the tables. You can, you can peel those back and get to the bread and juice and celebrate right there if you'd like. This is open for all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today we are so grateful for the love he's shown us. So let's give him thanks, and let's celebrate. Thank you again, God, for the love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Would you please fill us with the spirit of Christ today, so that as we leave this place, we might go as, as people filled with your love, with your grace, with your life, living as the body of Christ here in the world. You are so good to us, God, and we are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in just like uh, five, five or ten minutes, we're going to celebrate some baptism here. If you want to stick around for that, that'd be beautiful. Otherwise, we're going to leave the cameras rolling because we've got some people that couldn't be here that want to catch it. Uh, but the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.